0: Loki, episode four, four episodes into six, and holy moly, this episode was like, in the second half of this episode, it's like a little bit of a twist here, a twist there, a twist everywhere, and... There, what i mean i don't know where to start i don't know where to start there was a lot that happened in this episode and there was one big moment that what well, the moment for me personally that made me be like <gasps> uh which is the first time i've been like <gasps> at this series so far but i mean we kind of we kind of kick off this series quite interestingly again we're back on that planet with the apocalypse happening,
1: Lamentus one,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. There we no. go. There we go. <laughs> uh, and we've got a bit of uh, Loki loving happening, obviously. I, I,
1: I said that, you know. I said that you, there yeah. might be a romance, you know. It, and like, when, when, I mean, when it was happening, I was like, my head was kind of exploding. I was like, oh god, like they are looking up to get what, yeah. and then it creates a nexus event. Like, <laughs> absolutely love it, you know. It, I, I mean, that was just. I love how love can create an apocalypse as well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Powerful, you know,
0: a Loki love can create an apocalypse yeah, within yeah. an apocalypse. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, ah, oh, so much, okay. So much happened in this particular episode and it's kind of, when we were talking about last week's episode and we were talking about how it very much felt like it was almost like split into two, three parts. Um, but it was. I feel it was still very necessary uh, for it to for us to go through those particular moments with those characters, just to give us a bit more of a depth on the whole front. And I mean, we get a lot more in this episode of particular characters. And now, what's the lady called who is kind of Mobius's boss?
1: Renslayer, Judge Renslayer,
0: Judge Renslayer. We get a a nice little dive in a bit more to judge Renslayer's character, because I kind of always thought there's more to this character than just being the official, so to speak, that's kind of running this particular sector and, you know, giving Mobius his tasks and giving everybody's a task, but there's a lot more dark kind of hatred to her character in particular where it's almost like this. This Loki thing is extremely personal for her, as we've seen. She is the one that apprehended female Loki when she was a child, and then uh, Sylvie, and then Sylvie escapes, which obviously escapes making her look bad. And maybe this is something that has already always been eating her up inside. But I found that very kind of interesting. It's another. It's another good good villain to bring into it. And it's always interesting, I feel, to have villains alongside Loki's character, or in this instance, two Lokis, because Loki is kind of a villain. He dips in and out of being a villain, a fun villain, so to speak. But he does obviously, obviously have a dark side within him. But I feel it's always an interesting dynamic to bring almost darker villains into it, into the storyline. I mean, how were you thinking going into the, at least the first half of this episode before the what the <laughs> <notes> happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we discussed uh, for episode three how um, we had gained a lot of insight into Sylvie's character and, but then we never really gained the justification as to why she's so against the TVA. But then this episode kicks off with that contextual buildup which is you know what we were craving and after which is essentially that her very existence is a problem to the TVA so they have to destroy her existence and remove her from it and essentially lock her up as you know um, a prisoner in their time and whatever fate they would kind of bestow upon her probably wipe her memories and get her you know you know, working in a local Starbucks or something, you know, I mean, it's definitely not going to be the uh, as great an existence as she would have had as a, you know, a princess in Asgard, uh, where she, have, she would have had loving parents who would have taught her magic, you know. So, yeah, I I, I love that first scene. I, I again, like, I, I love these kind of contextual entry points into it and seeing Renslayer and how she's tied into the whole thing uh, and how she essentially created, you know, Sylvie. Um, you know, it was, it was, I mean, I say, I mean, she was the one who carried out the actions, but you know, on, on behalf of the timekeepers, Um but yeah, you know, really it, it's, I uh, mean, how, how tyrannical are they? You know, it, it's kind of sad in a way, because, you know, we start off the series and it kind of makes sense. Like, oh, okay, one unified timeline, but then it's like, you just kind of don't realize how unbelievably genocidal they are of like whole world and other timelines that don't fit there sort of grand master plan and you see it firsthand here that they're essentially kidnapping children um who they deem as wrong you know uh who haven't done any, who hasn't done anything wrong um it's just the fact that they're existing and and yeah it, it really <laughs> you know as we've been saying it throws up a lot of questions because we do see more of the timekeepers later on and you know what exactly is the kind of i suppose the drive for the whole thing i mean i, I suppose they're just sort of tyrannical rulers who who i mean only accept you know existence in one way um but i mean and w- which completely justifies where sylvie's coming from in that like you know screw these guys you know they're they're yeah you know, they, i mean they're the kind of ultimate villains really and i mean they're kind of doing it for the the sacred timeline but we you know so little about it that it feels kind of like a con or a bit of a cult you know in a way um so yeah that was a huge kind of you know a, a great kind of moment and to like tie back in and then yeah um also you know we see Renslayer and another thing that I thought was interesting in the first part is seeing you know when they when Mobius questioned her about uh Hunter C20 um and how she ends up being dead you know after like you know experiencing uh after Sylvie essentially putting her through her previous memories and her realizing that she is a variant and she had a previous life I mean I think that was a really interesting moment to just see as well that the TVA is not this unified agency it's a uh there's lots of secrets kept within it which is you know and knowing i mean that it's been around for so long it's actually quite interesting that you know characters like mobius who are smart and seem to be independent enough have never really questioned these details i mean the fact that mobius has never met the timekeepers is quite an interesting detail already and then you have them kind of running things in a way which is which they're all kind of in the dark on. And actually Renslayer seems to be the one leading things. Um, and yeah, so like, you know, seeing the whole thing with Hunter, you know, C20, I thought was, you know, really interesting. And obviously that he- sets off Hunter B-15 <laughs> and, you know, she- and she obviously gets kind of curious as to what her background is. So yeah, I feel that like, you know, what seems so certain at the beginning of like only just, you know, at a, you know, four episodes ago, now it's just all seems to be coming apart of the scenes, you know? The sounds of time Ben there it seems to be spreading all over the place
0: <laughs> yeah and I feel it's also um it, it's the way it kind of falls apart because it's it's something that I didn't even connect when you talk about um Sylvie talks about how she goes into people's minds and how she like impo- imposes herself on those people so she can control them and then if they've got a if they're brain or they're mentally more stable and stronger then she has to go deeper and live within their mind and recreate a memory in order to get information and take control that way but that obviously opens up them seeing that they had a life before and I completely forgot about the fact that you know, she takes control of Hunter B-15 in the apocalypse when they're in the warehouse and of course that could be a thing so it didn't even come into my mind until it obviously yeah. then was unravelling within the show and I'm like of course, of course that's now why she's like slightly off kilter because yeah. she is now realising uh, that there might be something and then obviously it takes Sylvie, her freeing her and taking her back to that other apocalypse for her to kind of show her you know, do the spell on her to a deeper degree in order for her to kind of fully come to the surface and see what's going but it's it was an interesting unravelling and very much the Ravona Renslayer who is the it's interesting I don't know quite what role she plays to a certain extent because she's obviously it's also obviously dodgy when she was talking about what happened to Hunter C20 and Möbius is just intrigued but he's still not quite buying that whatever Loki's selling he's yeah. still not buying that part of the story and, and at least initially but he's he's questioning more things probably than he's ever questioned before and that's what happens when you deal with Lokis <laughs> they're mischievous yeah. and they will start unraveling things in your mind but if we kind of we I know we're going to jump all around but Renslayer, she kind of... its all, She wasn't shocked at all when the Timekeepers turn out to be androids. There was no kind of moment for her. She just kept on her mission to kind of try and wiping everybody out. But that, of course, brings us back to the fact that she kills Mobius. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> Um but we're hoping you guys have already seen it by the <laughs> fact you're listening to this. But if not, I'm so sorry. Um <laughs> But that was my moment. Yeah. That was my what moment yeah. because Oh, Mobius is such a good character. And I but just he, have so, we've talked about this so much, thoroughly enjoyed the interactions between Loki and Mobius, but oh but my is,
1: god. Is he even dead though? Is exactly. He, but like we thought the you know, like being pruned, so to speak, was like The TVA version of you know eliminating this person from all timelines, but then same thing happens to Loki, and he ends up in a whole timeline with what like a kid Loki. It looked like a black store. I wasn't sure there. You know, like so. uh,
0: It's it's with four different Lokis. Oh, okay, they're all like credit scene. There's an end credit scene. I know we're jumping all over the place, but just bear with us. (laughs) There's an end credit scene. Obviously, Loki. So. As we know what happens, Renslayer, she kills Mobius. She then kills Loki. And we, you know, uh, don't have the same reactions to when Mobius goes because I just didn't initially feel that Loki is dead. It's not that easy to take Loki out of a Loki TV series. Yeah. Um, But we have our first Marvel post credit scene. Absolutely, yeah. Champion, champion. Um, And we get four extra Lokis and the Lokis we get are young Loki Uh who is from the comics um classic Loki who is played none other by the well-known Richard E. Grant Uh classic Loki from the comics in the classic attire from like the decades ago we get boastful Loki um which is not in the comics and oh no boastful loki is not in the comics and then we get alligator or crocodile loki who is also i don't even know if you realize that but young loki is holding an alligator oh. that has loki horns on it so yeah i was wondering so what the hell that, that was if that's a fourth loki who knows <laughs> um but to put it into some kind of perspective classic loki and a kid loki are from comics, they that obviously classic Loki is, but Kid Loki is from the Young Avengers, which all stems into the possibility that we might be getting a Young Avengers at some point in time because we we have Scott Lang's kid, so Ant Man's kid, um, we have um, Hawkeye's kid, now we have Iron Man's kid who could grow up to be something. We have an Iron Heart series, a Miss Marvel series. Uh, Spider Man can easily be a Young Avenger, you know. So, so Falcon many has some nephews, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we've we've got oh, they've they've got the clientele there to fill that <laughs> out, so to speak. But I mean, this is where this episode was just like, hey, I mean, you want to <laughs> You want to experience a ride? How about we have these th- five different twists that come in? and let's just focus in a little bit i read into it after something somebody said because i try not to look into these things too much because i like to be surprised when i watch these things on screen but people like oh my god post-credit scene screenshot what's in the background the avengers tower the avengers tower utterly destroyed from what looks like is a possible new york skyline a a possible alternative timeline where the same events unfold that unfolded in the Avengers film, but in this film, the Lokis win. Hence, the destruction. We don't know, but hey, Marvel likes to mess with our minds. So that's where we kind of sit there. But it's very, so many different elements because we come out of this one going, where's Loki? What's Sylvie doing now? What's her... Like, is, she, is her quest still the Time Keepers? And also, yeah, she yeah. left um, old Renslayer alive. Yep. But well, she was going to extract
1: the information.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what's Renslayer's knowledge? Uh, I mean, yeah. she seems to know more. Is she the one running it? Do the but, ta- uh, Yeah. Are the timekeepers in a thing, or they were the thing, and they've been overrun by somebody else? Now yeah. we're back into this whole WandaVision thing again, where we're just... Trying to know what it it's like, Mephisto, Mephisto. <laughs> yep. is this person is it? This person? Who knows? There's going to be twenty other possible. Hey, it could be Thanos for all we know. No one knows. But I mean, gosh, aren't we sitting yeah. in a point now where in the middle again? We're sitting in a maze, and there's like fifteen different options of where we're going.
1: I mean, absolutely, mate. It's it's which is great. It's it's so great. I mean, th- that's why I loved about this. Is that every episode really just blows out the water, and then all of a sudden you kind of left at the end, like. That was epic, but now I have to pick up the pieces of my brain, put it back together, and try and figure out what the hell's going on. But yeah, on top of all those things that you said, I think you know a really key point as well is, of course, you know the Nexus event that is caused by their love. You know that yeah that that I mean, you know, we left episode three watching how the hell they were going to get off Lamentis, um, and I figured it would be some sort of TVA agent grabbing them and putting them into a door or something. But obviously, they had no idea where they were. So the fact that that and it's interesting because they're two. very you know they always talk about how they're chaotic characters and you know is this <laughs> two negatives making a positive and you know and creating a sort of ultimate chaos that destroys this timeline i feel i feel that this is where it's going you know with with this series that you know because if you look at you know we've got the second doctor strange coming where you know uh the multiverse of multiverse of madness and you know so we're getting into this and i mean already that title and with loki and the the themes that are presented in loki in terms of timelines and whatnot and and multiverses and you know i feel that you know this is now building up towards creating that uh condition for the film really and how that will come about is i mean from now I feel that this is going to end somehow with the two Lokis sort of coming together and embracing to create some sort of apocalyptic event for the timeline, you know, and that, you know, this, I mean, cause that was such a key kind of moment that it'd been hinted at. And, you know, knowing Loki as a character, it feels like quite right for him in terms of his like own narcissism and how much he loves his own self and ideas. And, and I mean, and, you know, it was actually a very sweet scene between Tom Hiddleston and, I mean, I'll say we have to give a shout out to Sylvie. Uh, Sophia. De, is it Sophia de Martin? I believe.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sophia. Martino. Martino.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's bloody been great as an actress. Yeah. Like I've, I've really enjoyed watching her. She brings so much emotion and intelligence to this character. And I mean, we've really only had two episodes with her, but you kind of already feel that like you, you're kind of right on board with her. And that scene between her and Tom Hiddleston, I thought was a really well acted scene. And, a really interesting scene to see. Yeah, you feel kind of sorry for the whole Loki character, that you know they're, they're talking about how they're always destined to lose and make other ones great, and they always seem to be like playing second fiddle to whatever the hell's going on and kind of laughed at and you know thrown aside. Where right? and you know, and then Loki kind of points it out to Sylvie that actually she, I mean, she's you know hugely powerful just be- from her own sort of intellect and genius, really, that she was able to outsmart you know. This whole t v a organization and and the timekeepers and the sacred timeline and you know and essentially you know i mean you know she's a hugely impressive character in that she's taught taught herself magic and then gone about essentially destroying this whole world um and multiple multiple different universes that yeah it's it's um i mean she's very powerful just from you know the fact of kind of her, her I don't know. It, it, I mean, it, she's kind of all driven by revenge, really, because, you know, uh, as we saw with the first scene and it's kind of completely justified as well. So I thought that was a really interesting scene. And then, of course, yeah, as I was saying, it, the fact that it causes this Nexus event feels like this is where things are going in this timeline. And I'm not sure if that means that, you know, uh, they'll, you know, by the end of the series, like whether they'll still be characters um, separately or whether they become one, you know, uh, as the Spice Girls song goes, you know, to become one. <laughs> um, or whether they you know completely wipe each other out and you know wipe the whole sacred timeline out and then that's what essentially sets the stage for Doctor Strange 2 and and you know the multiverses of madness I mean it's uh yeah I thought that was a really key event and you know I mean what what do you reckon am I rambling like a madman a- am I the multiverse of madness in my head do I have <laughs> it in my head or or am I t- is there some sense in what I'm saying Ben?
0: you've literally just predicted the next four years <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear baby. <laughs> We're absolutely Spoiler on absolutely on the money with everything. Sorry guys, multiple spoilers we've just ruined the next three Marvel films and two possible limited series um, but you know stuff happens um, but, <laughs> yeah I mean it's I mean, they're writing their next phase it's it's bigger than any phase they've written before in the Marvel Cinematic and non cinematic world because it's it's after end game everything is after end game now this is the whole new phase you might as well reset it back to one so to speak because it's 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 start again so to sp- but obviously we have a lot of characters still around and we have sequels of films that were in the initials but here we are this is the next Big juggernaut that for the next 10, 11 years or so will lead to the next endgame. So they're writing all these, and they're once again they're brilliant. They're bringing in these characters like Sylvie's character, brilliant character, Mobius, brilliant character. You know, so it's there's so much. Well, we don't even, don't even haven't even chatted about the fact that Lady Sif comes into it about fifteen times, beating up Loki and kneeing him in the crotch. Yeah, about the air, which is that just so funny. Little win, isn't it? Yeah. Just another little win. <laughs> um so- Jamie Alexander obviously probably she's she's ticking all the boxes. I feel maybe first Marvel character to be in a film and be in a Disney Plus series and be in the Marvel TV show Agents of Shield. So she ticks uh-huh. off all three there. And I I believe she's also in Thor, Love and Thunder coming back as well. But that was another interesting Little pain yeah, I, on the I, board.
1: I felt that that scene was like you know, every <laughs> what I'm loving about this uh series is that, you know, we're getting a few scenes where local lo, lo, local <laughs> uh where Loki's getting a few um a few lessons being taught to him and and that's why well what I loved about that scene is that it was just, you know, it it's <laughs> someone continuously kicking him in the balls to realize like <laughs> the consequence of his ac- of his previous actions and um, you know and how they hurt people you know and I feel that all of this is you know, as I said like we don't know what's going to happen by the end of the, this this series like I feel that Loki will survive in some way but you know all these life lessons that he's been learning over I mean we don't even know how many days it's been it's kind of been like maybe three or four days from this but already he seems to be completely different and you know, and obviously, like his dealings with Sylvia and everything, and yeah, that he's his character is gaining a lot more perspective in, in so many <laughs> different ways. Um, from you know, uh, yeah, being kind of like zapped, you know, with a, a, a one of those timekeeping, you know, collars to being kneed in the balls. So it's uh, yeah, I love these little Loki teachable moments. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just really exciting to see where like Loki's going as a character, and and you know, um. And then of course, you know, it's kind of the kind the timekeepers Ben. So we were like so curious about them and how and their whole workings. And then, you know, I was really excited when we got to see them. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was like, oh my god, this is so epic. And then
0: Set so, I mean, set design, cinema. Yeah. So everything looked beautiful. Everything looked beautiful. Yeah.
1: And then it was so interesting because the way that they were talking and I thought they would inflict more pain at first, you know, because like in a sort of Thanos way of like, you know, really, I mean, you know, these are like the most powerful figures ever really. And then it was really like, and that's what, I mean, that's what kind of, you know, as we said, it kind of like blows your mind apart and then kind of, you have to put a piece of back together. But the fact that, yeah, that, you know, the, these tyrannical lords of, you know, all time and space. And then they actually just turn out to be robots, which are kind of, you know, a bit laughable, really. Um, Again, turning the whole series on its head again. that, you know, it's, it's, I, 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 you know, I wasn't really sure what to make of that. Now, um, as you said, like, is Renslayer the kind of mastermind behind it all? Is she the one who's writing everything and she's kind of just been playing all three timekeepers? And, you know, or is or are they somewhere else, you know, are, are they kind of dealing with other things? And the TVA is just their sort of side gig that they're <laughs> having to, you know, keep taking along to keep things in order in a way, but are they real or not? I mean, what, you tell me, Ben.
0: I mean, it, it's exactly the same thing. Cause it looked delightful. The whole setting of where the timekeepers were looked delightful. And, it's it's because weird' saying this because it was obviously a letdown as to what the timekeepers were obviously maybe that's the whole point yeah but at the same time it still was because I was hoping for a Thanos-y type you know or th- you know magical kind of strength power yeah you know but I- Uh, Which is nothing we got, obviously, in the end. And they were just kind of three bubbling idiots. Um, (laughs) And which were they very easy to kind of dismantle, uh, even as gigantic uh, Android robots. So it's another question.
1: Um, But You've got to love it, though. The fact that, like, you're expecting Thanos levels of power and you get robots whose heads...
0: It's a small world level of Android. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, it's just... Yeah, just a kind of glorified, you know, robot. Really, you know. Um, I, I, sort of, I mean, I actually laughed out loud when it happened as well because I was like, "Oh, oh, that was easy." Like, oh, okay, yeah. but lucky over, like, <laughs> sacred timelines done. Everybody, like, here's where it ends, <laughs> you know. But it's, I'm just, yeah. I mean, as I said, it kind of like, you know, I mean, we've been dealing with like a. I think what the, what the FA thing about this episode is that is is that like you know over the series we've been dealing with like these really epic settings and like you know whether they're on like lamentus one or in the kind of tva agent world they're like big and huge and grandiose and so you expected that from the timekeepers and then to just completely and you know i mean we started this episode with both loki's on lamentus one with you know a giant comet essentially like destroying the world in front of them and so you're expecting like grand power and then you just get that and you're like oh my god like well that's kind of hilarious and it kind of feels very lokiish as well because it's kind of mischievous in a way that you know it's building you up to this thing and then it's all an illusion you know so it feels like loki's playing a trick on us the audience you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's everything's loki they're all loki (laughs) we're loki you're loki (laughs) we're loki you're loki it's just one mischievous plot after another nobody knows actually actually what's happening at all
1: just um, <laughs> Kevin Feige, you know, clearly Kevin Feige has, you know, he's yeah, the yeah. true Loki, he's, he's the true timekeeper.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is the true timekeeper, that's so true. Um, so oh, going into episode five, episode six, I'm sure you guys are going to wow us to a certain extent. Um, but the only thing I'm asking for is, I don't know, an extra 10, 15 minutes per episode for the last two or maybe just an extra 20 minutes, half an hour for the last one. Make it a theatrical length episode. That would be grand. But Yes, that, please. Yeah, yes, please. But that is what we're looking forward to. Um, we'll be here next week. We'll be talking about episode five of six. It's nearly over. Oh. But it's extremely interesting. We don't want it to be over. But at the same time, we are laughing every single second of it. So, hey, on to episode five of six. guys thanks for listening to another episode of jedi order podcast don't forget to like comment and subscribe and may the force be with you